Hello, and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we put love into action. We hope that you are blessed by these previous sermons by our pastor, Reverend Dr. Peter M. Weary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church, as well as Instagram at The Field CLT. Be blessed. No greater love. Come on, I'm looking for some disciples who remember what it feels like. To be unloved. Somebody that you depended on to love you and they turned away. Somebody whose love they made you feel like you needed to earn. You weren't worthy to be loved just because of who you are. This moment is for some disciples who are willing to enter this time of the word pondering the love of Jesus which supersedes all of those pretenders all of the structures and systems that do everything but love this is a time for disciples to celebrate thank God as we go into the word For this love that will not let us go, it is the love of Jesus. No greater love, no greater love than this. So come with me, if you will, to the gospel according to John on this Sunday before Lent begins when the real story of love comes to its apex. John 13 verses 31 through 35. Out of the Good News Translation, hear these words. It was now the day before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He had always loved those in the world who were his own and he loved them to the very end. Jesus and his disciples were at supper. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, the thought of betraying Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him complete power He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. So he rose from the table, took off his outer garment, and tied a towel around his waist. Then he poured some water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Are you going to wash my feet, Lord? Jesus answered him, You do not understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later. 
Peter declared, never at any time will you wash my feet. If I do not wash your feet, Jesus answered, you will no longer be my disciple. Simon Peter answered, Lord, do not wash only my feet then. Wash my hands and head too. Jesus said, those who have taken a bath are completely clean and do not have to wash themselves except for their feet. All of you are clean, all except one. Jesus already knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said, all of you except one are clean. After Jesus had washed their feet, he put his outer garment back on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I have just done to you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and it is right that you do so, because that is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, have just washed your feet. You then should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you so that you will do just what I have done for you. I am telling you the truth. No slaves are greater than their master and no messengers are greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know this truth, how happy you will be if you put it into practice. I am not talking about all of you. I know those I have chosen. But the scripture must come true that says, the man who shared my food turned against me. I tell you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. I am telling you the truth. Whoever receives anyone I send receives me also, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. After Jesus said this, he was deeply troubled and declared openly, I am telling you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. The disciples looked at one another completely puzzled about what, whom he meant. One of the disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him and said, Ask him who he's talking about. So that disciple moved closer to Jesus' side and asked, Who is it, Lord? Jesus answered, I will dip some bread in the sauce and give it to him. He is the man. So he took a piece of bread and dipped it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, hurry and do what you must. None of the others at the table understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was in charge of the money bag, some of the disciples thought that Jesus had told him to go and buy what they needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. Judas accepted the bread and went out at once. It was night. After Judas had left, Jesus said, now is, now the Son of Man, man's glory is revealed. 
Now God's glory is revealed through him. And if God's glory is revealed through him, then God will reveal the glory of the Son of Man in himself. And he will do so at once. My children, I shall not be with you very much longer. You will look for me, but I tell you now what I told the Jewish authorities. You cannot go where I am going. And now I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me for a while on this subject, living the laws of love. Let us pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This passage in the Gospel according to John is the roadmap for redemption. It is the strategy Jesus intends to use for bringing the whole creation back to himself. This text has relevance today for a national, scientific, and political observance, Earth Day, which will come in just a few more days because it reminds us of the fact that Jesus never came only to redeem humanity. Listen. Jesus, break out of the box, never came only to redeem humanity. He came to reclaim for God the entirety of creation. That's why one of the other readings that's usually associated with this text, I call eco-praise. Psalms 148 calls on all of God's creation to give God praise. You've heard it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from heaven. You that live in the heights above, praise him all angels and all his heavenly armies. Praise him, listen, verse 3, sun and moon, praise him, shining stars. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters above the sky. Let them all praise the name of the Lord. He commanded and they were created. By his command, they were fixed in their places forever. And
and they cannot disobey. Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, strong winds that obey his command. Praise him, hills and mountains, fruit trees and forests, all animals tame and wild, reptiles and birds. Praise him, kings and all peoples, princes and all other rulers, young women and young men, old people and children too. Let them all praise the name of the Lord. His name is greater than all others. Watch it. His glory is above earth and heaven. He made the nation strong so that all his people praise him. The people of Israel so dear to him praise the Lord. In the end, all that Jesus has done up to this point and all that he's about to do are calculated moves to do nothing less than to bring God glory. I wish I had some glory givers in this sanctuary today. In verses 31 and 32 of this 13th chapter of John, the word glory, in case you were counting, is used no less than five times in just two verses. So it is Jesus is concerned in John that what God has set out to accomplish not be shortchanged to just include human beings alone. Every aspect of the entire creation was created, was conceived of by God. So uh, everything belongs to God and God has come in Jesus to take it back. Look at somebody and tell them God wants all his stuff back. Yeah, now, now, now if we want to be a part of what God is doing in the world as we approach this season of Lent, this 40 days where we walk with Jesus to his passion, to the cross, if we want to be a part of the great project of God and what God is doing, I want you to know it's going to be necessary for us to get on the stick and align ourselves with God's rules for getting the job done. In days past, the rule book of our an that our ancestors stressed was the Ten Commandments. I, I should tell you, though, that Jesus has come along and turned the rule book on its head. Now our participation in bringing the whole creation back to God has been informed by a new commandment. Jesus has already told us that we need to summarize the Ten Commandments like this. This is Mark's version of it, Mark 12, 30 and 31. Jesus says, the whole law is summed up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second most important commandment is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This new commandment is a strange new twist, family. Jesus, Jesus commands, and now, that's an adverbial phrase, and now I give you a new commandment. Love one another, watch it, as I have loved you. You so must love one another. On the surface, this, this commandment doesn't sound new, but it really is. In fact, this new commandment is actually two commandments. Listen carefully. Verse 34a commands, love one another. 
Verse 34b commands, as I have loved you, so must you love one another. Jesus says, y'all who've been thinking you understand what love is, when I get through with this, you will be looking at the way you used to think, Jesus says, and be asking, what's that love got to do with it? If you thought you understood love, then this new commandment will give you a whole other understanding. It will give you new insight into why perhaps what was supposed to be love was just masquerading as love. When you get this new commandment, then you'll understand implicitly why when you were supposed to be in love or receiving love, it felt decidedly like you had no love. When you get this new commandment in you, it will revolutionize your understanding of what God has been doing in the world and what Jesus came to do in service of God's endeavor. This new love, we've got to learn, we've got to relearn the laws of love. The first law Jesus introduces us to, if he could take a little expository look at it, is this. He, he says, in essence, to us, renew love. Listen to verse 34. And now I give you a new commandment. Love one another. In other words, th this, is a, this is a new commandment. He says a new commandment, unused, fresh commandment in that we were once told to love God and our neighbor like we love ourselves. Now though, Jesus ratchets it up a notch as, as he gets us ready for him leaving this earth. The Greek word used here for new is to use something previously known in a brand new way. It's like, it's like, what is it like? It's like, it's like repurposing a coat and sewing parts of your coat into a quilt. You always had it. You always had the parts in the quilt, but now you've got something new because the coat pieces that used to be a coat, now they are a quilt. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, he's saying, use your love in a brand new way. You always had it, but now you got something new. Loving your neighbor by comparison is easy because a lot of, a lot of times we don't really know uh, the neighbor. I mean, in one community we lived in, in Richmond, it took us five years to even get to know our neighbors. And so, so this kind of dispassionate detachment makes it too easy for love to become a social duty, antiseptically performed, you know, loving folk with a long-handled spoon. But it makes love too easy to limit just to the folk and even then just to, just to people and even then to people that we barely know. When you love folk you barely know, that's not really as difficult as it can be to love the folk you know very well. I mean, this kind of love might let you mask your own human greed and carelessness. And when you love folk that you barely know, love folk you love from a distance, love somebody you see on TV, love some folk you see on the street, loving the neighbor might too easily be checked off on a meaningless list of social obligations 
with no real heart behind them. I always wondered how folk could get so in love with people they see on television. They never met them. They don't know them. They don't talk to them. They never done anything for them. But suddenly, as a little kid, I remember watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and them girls would be in the front row falling out, fainting and screaming and squealing. Even then, I wondered and thought maybe as I grew up, I'd understand it better now. I don't understand it any better now than I did back then. What you falling out for? You never met Ringo. You don't even know. You don't even know John Lennon. What are you hollering and screaming and swooning about? Loving your neighbor is like that. It's, it's loving the imagined person. It's loving the idealized individual. It's not even loving the real. I tell you, when you love somebody you know, that's the nitty gritty of love. Here, 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 here Jesus makes love both a commandment, that is a law, and he makes it a choice, that is gospel, because it is agapao in the Greek. It is that kind of love that you don't love, you don't use it because it is, it is, because it is given back to you. You choose agapao, God in the godly love. Uh, you, you choose that kind of love. This kind of love is not only something we're commanded to do, but it's something we are allowed to choose. Even though it's commanded, it happens without the command. That's grace. Jesus says do it, but he doesn't make you do it. It is the choice that we have to love one another. Why is that important? Because, because when you love somebody that you don't know, you can love the idealized movie version of that person. That's not real love. That's not even two-dimensional love. That's, that's paper-thin love that can be trashed the moment something comes on, whatever is it, TMZ or something comes on the internet that you find disparaging about them. All of a sudden, you're out of love. No, loving somebody you know. He says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. He says, love, love one another. He says, in this text, love each other. That is to say, the one that you know real well. It's hard, y'all. It's much harder to love somebody you know real well than it is to love somebody that you've seen on television. Why? Because the one you know real well, you've seen them when they didn't look their best. When you love the one that you know real well, you remember sometimes when they were not at their beautiful and handsome, uh, most photogenic uh, personality. That wasn't showing. You've seen them with their head messed up. You've seen them with their hair nappy. You've seen them when they weren't dressed well. You've seen them when they were in a bad humor. You've seen them when they were down in the mouth. You've seen them when they didn't love themselves. You've seen them when they made terrible mistakes. You've seen them when they spoke out of school. You've seen them when they didn't do what they should have done. You've seen them when they did everything they could have done but still didn't succeed. You've seen the person you know very well in times and spaces when they didn't look lovely. When you've been in relationship with them in moments where they were unlovable and still Jesus says that's the one that is harder to love. That's the way we've got to love one another. You've got to love one another, not just your neighbor. Loving your neighbor is good and that's necessary. But when you can love Negroes that have cussed you from time to time, oh, that's hard love. That's real love. When, when you can love folk that have mistreated you every now and then, that's the hard love. I mean, when you can love folk that like this, when you don't have their love in return, this is 
agapao love. If you just waiting to love somebody till they love you like you feel like you want to be loved, so it instigates your love. That ain't love. That's a transaction. Jesus is saying, I'm not interested in transactional love here for the saints I'm leaving behind to handle this evil world. No, I need some folk in this season to love one another so that even when folk don't love you, your love, the power of your love will overwhelm opposition. The power of your love will heal your heartbreak. The power of your love will mend the fences of disagreement. The power of your love will make more things possible than you ever imagined. That even though it's a command, that it, it, it happens without the command. That's what grace is. That's one believer remembering that if it wasn't for that grace, we would ourselves not be loved. That's somebody remembering, I know when I didn't feel loved. That, that's, it's refusing to put my brother disciple down because, but for that same grace, I'd be just like him. It's, it's loving my children enough that I choose to leave to them a creation and earth that in the words of Psalm 148 does what God orders. It's, it's loving my disciple sister enough to keep on loving even though I know all of her mess. It's loving one another through the many episodes of our shared humanity that are often unflattering and inexplicable. That's love. Jesus says you need to renew love. That kind of love renews itself. When you don't use this kind of love, agapao love, you can fall out of love. When you don't use this kind of love, you might just demure and not love at all. I mean, many of the other kinds of love in the ancient world are just like that. I mean, storge, that is belonging or security love, that depends on somebody else making you feel secure. Phileho or friendship love, that depends on your friend girl or your stick man making you feel like they in your corner. When you talk about epithumia or sexual love, it's obvious. You, you really cannot have sexual love and intimacy with another person unless you got another person in order to be intimate with. Uh, that's self-explanatory. You cannot have all of these different kinds of love unless eros, you, that's romantic love. You can't be romantic by yourself. You're romantic in response to the presence of the object of your affection. I wish I had me some real folk that would walk with me here today. This kind of love that Jesus says must be re, must be renewed. This agapao he says, love one another like this. It will be love tomorrow. It'll be love after disagreements. It'll be love after disappointments. It'll be love after failure, after failure, after failure. Jesus says, renew your love. He says, he says, not only renew your love, but he says, you got to relearn love. Don't miss it. The last part of that 34th verse, he says, first in the A section of verse 34, he says, I'm giving you a new and unused, a fresh commandment. And this is what it is. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
The first law of love is, is re re renew love, but the second law of love is relearn love. This is the second law. And, that, and love, in order for it to change the world, has got to not only be renewed, but, but it has to be relearned. I, I've, I've found that out, y'all, over all of these years of trying to love people. Sometimes we get caught in a conundrum, in a vacuum, in a circular firing squad of love because we've always been used to loving just like we're doing it right now. Jesus says the only disciples that are going to be able to go with me to the cross and even understand remotely what I'm about to do, they've got to relearn what love is. Love too often, y'all, has got to, has often become a, it's become a synonym for codependency. That is to say we love our children, but in trying to protect them from all the struggles and hardships of the world, we never make any demands on them. In fact, in our culture, it is so much the case that we really only really, we only love our sons too many times. We, we raise our daughters, that is to say, we tell Mary Sue and Mary Jane and, que and Keisha, we tell them, this is what your responsibility is. This is how a lady acts. This is how you're, what you're responsible for. But, but little Johnny, little Daquan, we tell him, oh, ain't that cute? I just love you. Look at that. Ain't he cute? He gonna be a heartbreaker. That's what we tell him. I was in a barber shop when I was four years old and two older ladies were sitting there and looked at me and said that he's gonna be a heartbreaker. Isn't it amazing? After all these decades, I still remember that statement. And when I got old enough to know what it was, my heart was broken. I mean, love has become a synonym, y'all, for codependency, where we don't have demands on children. We, we, life is lived according to what they want. It was culture shock for me to get to a situation in which I was inviting young people to a children's choir and the parents said, we have to wait and see whether they want to sing. I said, what? Where am I? What have I crossed through the looking glass? Am I in the twilight zone? I don't even remember a world in which, I didn't at that time, remember a world in which you had to get the kids permission to sign them up for something. Used to be and should be again that parents knew what was best for children and they understood their giftings and they brought them to things that the children may not even at the time have wanted to participate in themselves. I'm so glad that there have been some parents like that in the world. Life now is lived according to only what the kids want. Everybody if they participate in a sport whether they sit on a bench or whether they run the hundred meters with excellence they get the same trophy. It makes no sense because we're priming them for a world where their hearts will constantly be broken. Their expectations will constantly go unmet. Life is not that way. We make them crippled and helpless when we treat them that way. When they meet any opposition, any difficulty, all they know is how to look for somebody to lean on, somebody to blame, somebody to sue, somebody to lay out on media, social media, somebody to fight, somebody to kill. We say we love our neighbor, but we're perfectly content just to throw a few dollars at our missionary organization and we avoid any opportunity to get involved with our own hands. These behaviors expose the power of the statement Jesus makes here. I know y'all ain't gonna like me when this is over. He models why loving disciples first is the best treatment for anemic love in the world. He says we must do it 
listen, as he has loved us. And how has he loved us? The context makes it clear. He took off his coat, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed our dirty feet. He washed the feet of disciples. They resisted, but, but they didn't even realize that when he did this, he simultaneously laid claim to the living of our very, of our very lives. He showed us how to love by serving one another. Now, I know folk like to concentrate on the servant aspect of this and that's fitting and that's good but I think it's incomplete and uh, listen to allow Jesus to touch our feet is to allow him to touch our will. We all have a mind. We all got emotions. We have a, a, our decision-making power, but our feet are how we put our decisions in motion and get places to do things. Oh, don't y'all miss it. To allow Jesus to cleanse our feet is to remove everything that stops us from using our feet to follow him, to scrub away our insecurities, to wash away our weariness, to buff off our bitterness. This is how you shall eat the Passover lamb. The book of Exodus says, with your loins girded, your staff in your hand, and watch it, your sandals on your feet. In other words, be ready to move out to follow Moses out of this place of bondage and into the promised land. In other words, it's an old concept. Be ready to use your feet. Saints of God, uh, friends and family, disciples of the field, get ready to use your feet when Lent comes around next week. Don't you think this is all about, we're talking about the year of practical discipleship. Practical discipleship has very little to do with what you do remotely, or I mean we remote, we've got to be remote for a season, but it's more about what you're willing to do with your feet when the time comes. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Disciple, get ready to use your feet. Listen to the Bible. Talk about that image. The, the, the psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen to the psalmist in the great Hallel. You have delivered my soul from death, my feet from stumbling. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Listen, listen to Jesus' teaching in the gospel according to Matthew. He says, the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. You are going to have to use your feet. Listen to him talking earlier in, uh, later in John. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to need our feet to follow that way. Listen here. You're going to need your feet anointed. You're going to need your feet clean. You're going to need your feet discipled. You're going to need your feet submitted in order to go where we've got to go in these next 40 days. We've got to relearn love. Love is not a noun. Some cute pithy little trinket that you put on the counter next to your Bible or on the coffee table next to the dusty family Bible. No, no. Love is really uh, the action word. It, it is that love that is relearned and repurposed and reinterpreted, that, that is reimagined to know that love ain't love unless it's got some feet on it. Or you can tell me you love me all you want to, but while you're just speaking it with your mouth, 
you might lie the same day. I don't know what comes out of your mouth. I don't know whether it's truth or a lie. I just judge a tree. God, I feel a run in here by the fruit it bears. I, I don't care to hear how much you love me unless by your actions you show that love of Jesus. Jesus said, just like I have loved you, I got down on my knee and I wrapped a towel around my waist and I engaged in the drudgery of washing away everywhere you've been, ignoring all the low places that you have traversed. And I washed your feet as a matter of service, but I washed them as a challenge that you ought to go better the next time. I, I washed them as a matter of love, but I washed them as a matter of activist love so that you know I'm here to remake you. I'm here to reclaim you. I'm here to reimagine you. I'm here to rebuild you. I'm here to challenge you that when I wash your feet, you will walk differently than you used to walk. The old saints, I love to quote them, say, I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. Jesus says, you got to relearn love. This is a love that sacrifices. This is a love that travails. This is a work that participates in the struggles of those you say you love. You show me, you tell me who you love and I'll show you who you actually love by watching your feet move from day to day. Oh, you can tell me you're a missionary church, but I'll tell you how much missionary you are by virtue of how much missions you actually get done. How many times do you set your feet in the path? How, how many times do you get up off your sofa and go out and love somebody? How many times do you put your mask on and love somebody that doesn't love you back? How many times do you talk on the telephone and instead of gossiping about the one who acted like they don't love you, putting some goodness out in the atmosphere. Oh, I dare you to tell God about your enemy. Your enemy has already lost something because they've lost relationship with you and they may never reconcile with you. But I'll know how much you love when I stop hearing you talking about folk, when I stop seeing you gossiping about other folk, living through vicariously the lives of others. No, Jesus says, enter their lives with the laws of love. That relearning love means to repurpose love. You've got to renew love and understand that real love is not the kind of love that you've been used to seeing on the TV set. This is a new commandment. Stop trying to front, stop trying to perpetrate by loving folk that are far away from you. Ain't nobody impressed with your love just because you send some money to St. Jude Hospital every now and then. No, I'm more impressed with you when I see you loving somebody that I know you've been arguing with over the last few years of your life. I'm more impressed with you when I see you remembering to relearn love and realizing that if it had not been for the love of Jesus, you would be just like 
your enemy is. I dare you to love somebody you know real well. I dare you to keep on loving when they disappoint you. I dare you to keep on loving when they walk away from you. I say you got to go into business with them. I said you just need to keep on loving. They'll know you are mine because you have love one for another. Greater love has nobody than this, that she lays down her life for a friend. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching me a new kind of love. I'm so glad that you loved me because if it had not been for you on my side, yeah, if it had not been for your repatriating love, I would still be wandering in a far country. If it had not been for your rejuvenating love, I would still be washed up. If it had not been for your resurrecting love, I would still be dead in my sins. Somebody say yes. Relearn the laws of love. Understand that the call to love is not a call to ease, but it's a call to a cross. Say yes. Aren't you glad that he first loved you? Aren't you glad that he kept reaching? Aren't you glad that he kept forgiving? Aren't you glad that he kept washing you? Aren't you glad that he kept washing you and sanctifying you? Aren't you glad that he kept renewing you? Aren't you glad that he kept finding somebody to love your no good self? I wish I had a witness who can tell the Lord, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your joy. Yeah, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you beyond my ability to tell you if I had 10,000 tongues, I couldn't thank you just for your love. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. When I think about the love of Jesus, my soul cries, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. For saving me. Listen, you know what? Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm about to leave this world. I'm leaving it in your hands. Not just the numbers game that some churches play, some denominations play. It's good, it's, it's important. It's important to keep data. You gotta keep up, but, but, but when you are so focused on the numbers 
that you forget about the mission. Jesus has no reason to leave this world in your hands. When you forget about the holistic mission, it's not just about get them saved, get them saved, get them saved, get them saved. When you get them saved, then what? It's about understanding the whole enterprise of God. That it's about bringing the people and the creation back to God. Renew that love. Renew that love. It's not just about the neighbor whom you don't know. It's also about one another. All of whose mess you know. Love them. And then relearn what love means. It, it, it really doesn't just mean that sappy, saccharine love that we've been fed a steady diet of day after day. Jesus said, you got to do this like I loved you. God Almighty, that's an activist love who actually showed up in your circumstance to lift you. That's real love. If you're here today and you know you need this kind of love in your life, you've been following in behind pale imitations, pale imitations so long that you've been let down, let down, let down. Now, Jesus says it will help everything you do. It'll help the, the vetting process for church leaders, that folk who just love the folk who love them. You can find them. You can see them from a mile away. You just now look for some people who go out of their way to love others. They're going to they're gonna make the best deacon. They're going to make the best Sunday school teacher, if you got that. They're going to make the best uh, trustee. They're going to make the best elder. Whatever your, your circumstance, it'll help everything you do. It's going to help you pick a wife. If, if she only loves the folk who love her, and you can see in her circle, she keeps just that circle of friends and doesn't really try to love other people. If she's closed to other people, you know you're going to just, you, 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 you're cruising for a bruising. Looking at that sister, same thing in the reverse if the brother is so selfish all he cares about is what pleases him and he never you never find him you know you never find him egalitarianly in an egalitarian way uh, working to help others with his hands not just his checkbook you already know who you've got on your hands it'll help everything you do your business it'll help your educational career it'll help you just relearn love. Would you pray with me if you are here today and you know you need this, you need some new love in your life. I dare you. If you don't know Jesus, what I say on a first name basis, get him in your life today. We're here to make sure you can. Just repeat this prayer after me, would you? And then when you're finished, down in the lower corner of your screen, you'll see a hashtag that says, Field Me, C-L-T. Wherever you live, in Charlotte, wherever you live across the country and around the world where this is seen, you just put that in the, in the chat bar and somebody will reach out to you in love. That relearned love. 
Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for the many wrongs I've done. My sin. I need you as my Savior. I am powerless to save myself. In Jesus' name, amen. It's done. We're rejoicing everywhere that you did it today. Aren't you glad? Love lifted you. It's a miracle. But it's by design. I'm here to tell you, nothing else could help. You tried everything else. Come on, give Jesus a chance. He'll never let you down. When nothing else. Come on, field family, can you testify? Let them know, support somebody who's on the brink of decision. Tell them, I tried it. Nothing else could help. But love lifted me. That's my testimony. Yeah, yeah, love lifted me. When nothing else could help. to the end of my rope. Nothing else could help me. Thank you so much for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message has uplifted encouraged and challenged you as you continue your walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the great news is the field is not confined by the four walls of the church, for we all know that the people are the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of God's family, simply reach out to us on Facebook at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church or on Instagram at the field CLT. Thank you once again and be blessed.